After these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Welcome after these messages. This is a podcast where we talk about television commercials. Nay, it's the podcast where we talk about television commercials, and we talk about them all. We talk about the good ones, we talk about the bad ones, and we talk about the ones where people say weird shit like this. Sexual performance issues are more common than you think. Maybe not for me, but probably for you. Probably. Hey there, my name's Andrew Walsh, uh, moving right along here, and I'm here with Genevieve Haz, and we're your hosts today. Hey, Veeves. Hi, Andrew. Today we're the hosts. Just today. Who knows what tomorrow may bring. I'm secure in my job. Probably not you, but me. <laughs> uh, thank you, Snoop Dogg. Um, by the way, today on the show, Commercial Court is back in session. That is my judge's hammer. First person to write to me to tell me that's called a gavel. I'm unfriending you. If we're not friends already on Facebook, I'm friending you and then I'm unfriending you. This is a judge's hammer. And we are going to talk about a couple of commercials. One I am kind of bringing to court because I've seen a lot of commentary on a commercial that is in heavy rotation right now. And then somebody wrote a very uh, long and thought out um, kind of, you know, analysis of this commercial on our Facebook page. So I wanted to uh, read that, talk about the commercial, and also talk about um, why a lot of other people in society think that is problematic and why I think those people are assholes. Um also, uh, jingles, are we going to get any? Sorry, I just, I startled myself with my own aggressiveness there. <laughs> that got real. That got real. Um, what about ad council? Do we have any jingles or anything? Uh, yeah, we got one jingle. All right. Um, and also, you're bringing something to commercial court today, too, right? Yes, I have a listener who sent, who's a plaintiff who sent in a, uh, a case that we need to weigh in on. Is there anything else that we need to set up at the top of the show before we just move on here? I think we should just move on here. Would you say that court is in session? I would say that. <laughs> I want to make it very clear that I don't think the person who wrote about this commercial on our Facebook page is an a-hole. Now I feel the need to censor myself. I'm very self-conscious about this. But uh, even before Jesse sent this to us and posted on Facebook with his analysis, um, I was reading some other things, mostly, I will admit, on Reddit and in comments sections on YouTube. So... That's on me. Right. <laughs> that already kind of If you go to the sewer, <laughs> you're, you know, what you're are you going to find poopy. there? Yeah. You're going to get poopy is Absolutely. how the expression goes, I think. Yep. Um, so before I read Jesse's um, words on this, I want to share it with you guys. And I have been seeing this all over the place. Yeah, it's in heavy rotation. Do you think that's mostly because of me watching all the baseball, though? Or are you seeing it on No, I'm seeing it. I, you know, I'm not watching shows. very much baseball, okay. so. I'm seeing it. It too. is for DirecTV, now a service of AT&T. When did they merge? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Because uh, I totally forgot. I kept thinking this was an AT&T If you, care, if you a, want to know when they merge, go find a mergers and acquisitions podcast. We don't do that here. All right. Uh, you're also a cervix today. I like it. <laughs> um, so this is a, a commercial for DirecTV, you know, satellite cable service. I guess satellite cable doesn't really make sense. Satellite TV service. Um, and it is reminiscent 
of a commercial that we just happened to play from the 90s a few weeks ago, Vives. It was for Diet Pepsi or Diet, Diet Coke. Coke. And Coke or Diet Coke. Definitely a Coke product. Somebody wrote in about it because I think we were talking about, was it the show we talked about music? It's in that commercial? Take a Load Off Manny. Yeah. Rode into Nazareth, that right. one. And it's a woman, um, she's in her like kind of classic old-fashioned convertible but it's a little beat up she's in a dusty western town she's got her dog she tosses all of her clearly her ex's stuff his you know men's clothing and belongings his guitar his guitar onto the road in the middle like she kind of drives up into the middle of town we don't see this guy he's never represented but a bunch of like kind of old cowboys are standing around watching this kind of crazy quote-unquote like kind of crazy chick uh like throwing all of her boyfriends or husbands yeah, she's clearly just had it yeah. with him and then she gets in the car has a coke and a smile and it's kind of a uh, and then she she's taken a load off she's kind of cut off that part of her life and it's almost like now she's got this sense of freedom and i guess agency um and that happened to come up the other day and now there's this new commercial for direct tv did i mention that it's connected to at&t um that is very similar but i think the reaction to it is very different in 2018 we see a guy in this case we actually see the guy who is being broken up with he has an unfortunate chin beard yeah he really does He's like an okay looking dude, but that facial hair says break up with me yesterday. And, you know, he's, you know, youngish, probably in his late 20s or something. And uh, he's standing down on the sidewalk looking forlorn as his presumed um, uh, lady friend is, you know, two stories up throwing all of his shit out the window. It's landing on his feet and breaking a bunch of clothes. Those don't break. They're pretty soft and malleable. Uh, But you see a a whole bunch of just his stuff being thrown out the window and crashing to the ground. And one of the last things you see is a metal box, which I assume is his cable box. And when that hits the ground, that definitely smashes into a bunch of pieces. Let's take a listen to this. Direct TV now gives you more for your thing. Your the letting go thing. Your sorry, not sorry thing. You're out with the old and with the new onto bigger and better thing. Okay, that's a cable box. Get the live TV you love. No bulky hardware, no satellite, no annual contract. I, I called it satellite. No satellite. How do you describe this? It's magic TV. I don't know where it comes from. It's direct TV. Just directly from TV, I guess. <laughs> uh, when you hear the kind of mood shift in the music there, um, when she's done throwing everything out, the last thing to go is the cable box, and then it's the, that sense of taking the load off, if we're going to keep that kind of comparison going. She sits down on her bed, and she turns on direct TV, and the whole commercial, as well as her, kind of take a, a big sigh of relief. Mm-hmm. She finally did it. She cut off that part of her life, and she got rid of all this baggage, literal and figuratively. Now, do you real do you know this is part of a campaign mm-hmm. we've talked about one of the other ones in this campaign it's it's another life transition moment but it's like it's the same woman doing the voiceover and it's the same structure it's like the getting out of the friend zone thing the oh, yeah, moving yeah. in together thing um yeah. and so it's about a couple a young couple mm-hmm. moving in together and they're having this like you know very these this moment of transition in their lives and so they're switching to direct tv so they're clearly and and the the thing is more for your thing is their slogan or their campaign name so it's all about these moments in our lives when there's a big shift and when you're going to do a big shift why don't you like 
stop watching wherever your TV comes now and go go direct to TV. You know, get rid of the cables, get rid of everything that makes it complicated right. and just to have it, you know, again, have the sense of freedom with your with your uh, television viewing. Um, you know, we talked a lot about that commercial you just described. I think I found it here. It's, mostly because one one she's wearing a sweater that I really would love to find. Oh, did we talk about this on the show? Because you and I, the friend zone one, we talked a lot about, and I don't think this was yeah, on TV. I, I think it was just... Or on the podcast. Yeah, I think I it was just say. us chatting about like whether friend zone is such a loaded term now because of like incels and MRAs and all of that nonsense that like right. you can you even use it in a non awful way right and to me I felt like especially in this commercial I, let me see if I found it here AT&T gives you more for your thing you're getting serious thing that moving out of the friend zone, moving in together, and getting two of everything. Thing. Yeah, so this is, I didn't realize this still follows just one couple, and it's the complete opposite of the one we just talked about. Right. They are getting together in their lives. He's got a bomb ass apartment, too. Yeah. That one for me, one for you, us together for the rest of forever thing. <laughs> Buy one iPhone 8, get one That's iPhone interesting. Eight on. Same campaign. AT&T is what brings them together. This is not direct TV. That's interesting. It's for their iPhones. Oh, I didn't even notice. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So interesting campaign in that way, like that it's uh, that that voice is very familiar. To close out the conversation about the friend zone, I was arguing that in this context, it's fine. Friend zone still had pretty innocent um, origins. As mm-hmm. remember, we looked it up. I was like, it sounds like something they would use in Friends. And a lot of people actually trace it back to its beginnings, its origins at, in an episode of yeah. Friends in the 90s. Not that that makes it ever, everything okay, but it was just, you know, men as a way of, well, everybody knows what the friend zone means. And you, I think, are are so much more, believe it or not, in the world of <laughs> men's rights activists because what you can have this I say? They have a lot of interesting points. You go on Reddit and you really <laughs> like really you, you drill down on it's that. It's a stuff. hate read for me. So because they've kind of adopted it, like yes, Pepe the Toad or or what is Pepe a frog? I think he's a frog. Um, that it's it has such negative hateful connotations, right? To some people, it's only used it by those kind of people in the context of. Um, women, friend zone, nice guys, which I mean, all of this stuff is like, it's all, it's all coded language for them. Nice guys uh, are, you know, the guys that women don't bestow their sexual favors on and they Mm -hmm. put them in the friend zone, even though they're entitled to not be in the friend zone. It's all very, I mean, and then they drive a van into a crowded sidewalk. Right. Well, you keep up that kind of attitude. Next thing you know, you're going to be writing editorials for the New York Times. What's that guy's name? Oh, Russ Dufo. Russ, Russ that. Um, anyway, uh, so that was a different commercial. Let's come back to this one where the woman is throwing um, stuff out the window. Uh, I think, let me start with the haters. What I see, you know, again, just kind of, this has just been kind of stumbling in front of my view for some reason, seeing people tweet about it, post on Reddit about it, and it's, Almost always dudes saying, this is awful. Why are we glorifying violence? If the shoe were on the other foot and this was a man throwing a bunch of women's stuff, uh, if this was a man throwing a bunch of women's stuff out of a window, right. it would be it would be horrible and all the PC police would be protesting. I literally re- read one on YouTube that said they would be protesting outside of AT&T headquarters. Um, and we've said it a million times on the show. I think it's worth saying a million times again. It's you worth saying until there's no one on YouTube or 
or the internet saying it's not fair. You, the dynamic in society is not that we have a problem historically, not just American society, of women oppressing men and women beating men and women terrifying men and taking away all of their agency. Does it happen? Are there the occasional abuse stories that maybe a woman is abusing a man or taking advantage of that power dynamic? Yes, but that is not the systematic or systemic problem in our society that's been going on since the beginning of time. Yes. It's context matters. It's now and forever. Context matters. I was getting myself so worked up reading all these dummies and what they're posting on on the YouTube comments page. This is so sexist. Switch the gender of one throwing out stuff and there'd be a huge, how could a man be so degrading to women uproar? Well, yes, there would be an uproar because there is a very frightening uh, history yeah. of this kind of we were because behavior. that actually happens on the reg when abusers uh, like take you know take take away a woman's like agency and ability you know and the thing is like you can you can know all that and you can even say in in the real world if a woman did this to her man or to her ex or whatever. It would not be a good look, right? No, and I would not necessarily. And we, I wouldn't be that like behavior. impressed or think it was hilarious if my girlfriend really did this to some to her ex boyfriend. Um, but if we're talking about it as sort of a uh, a, a punchline or a or a storyline for a commercial, no, I'm not offended by it. Yes, and that's because I live in the real world and I can judge things within their context, and I'm not uh, hermetically sealed in a YouTube. Comment, comment section. You can't just always put the shoe on the other foot and say, see, that would be bad because that's not how things work. I think we've made ourselves very clear on that. Thank you. The court is in order. Uh, now, Jesse, let's come back to commercial court. Now, you, this is the way commercial court usually works on our show. If you and a friend or a loved one or colleague kind of find yourselves in a debate over a commercial one person thinks it's great, the other hates it, what have you. You send it in to us, and we will give you a verdict. In this case, Jesse just wrote this long Facebook post about it. I thought it was very interesting, um, and nobody's really challenging him on it. So maybe this is like the, the, the people versus Jesse? I guess so, yeah. Of course, it, I don't want to make it sound like I'm against Jesse. I, I honestly don't know um, how to feel all about this, but I've... Um, Hesitated enough. Let's get into it. Jesse says, This ad is a metaphor for modern life. A mirror cast in hand. Gray plastic. Hard that we... gray plastic. Oh, I'm sorry. That makes more sense. A, <laughs> yeah. mirror, a mirror cast in hard gray plastic that we hold up to ourselves. Jesse was a creative writing major. And congratulations on your degree. <laughs> um, Jesse says, we open on a woman casting her man out by literally casting his possessions onto the curb. They have presumably hit something of a rough patch in their relationship where some might seek couples therapy or a second honeymoon as a means of repair. She is having none of it. Out he goes of her life in passionate ra- in a passionate rage of destruction. Then she sits on her bed and turns on the television. Instantly her woes are salved. 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 I'm from Ohio. I don't know how to say that stuff. Salved. <laughs> 
Uh, her woes are salved. The great glowing box is there to spirit her away from her troubles. She doesn't need to call her mom, her friend, or her therapist. She doesn't need to scream or write bad poetry to express her thought her sorrow and how angry she feels. She doesn't go for a run, get drunk, eat ice cream to deal with her feelings. AT&T tells us all she needs to do is sit down and watch television. DirecTV has magically instantly replaced her foregone relationship. She's happy now, bathed in the odd blue light of her television. It's what she needed all along. Um, Jesse goes on to say, our electric... Our electronic appliances have replaced the need to remember phone numbers, look up directions, comparison shops, send your cousin a real birthday card, etc. Now, according to AT&T, they will also replace your need for an intimate relationship and emotional expression. Um, I think there's some good points in here. I also think that Jesse is bringing a lot to this. <laughs> um, for real, like there are there are some points that we'll address, but I also think that you got to remember that. It's 30 seconds. A lot of this is symbolism. And it's like we hit be- as we hit on before, and Vives, you and I were talking about this over lunch yesterday. This is a commercial that I'd like to explore more of these, the idea of freedom, how you can express freedom in a commercial. And I think down the line, maybe we'll yeah. look at, if anybody has any good or bad examples of that in commercials, send them our way, because I think that would be a really great show topic. Um, and I think that that is really what they're trying to sell here, not saying that, I don't think that, talking about what else she's using as coping mechanisms, whether or not she calls her mom. Although I do understand this is an AT&T commercial. You could have a commercial like this, whether she's throwing things out the window or not. Um, and after the big breakup scene, she uses AT&T to call her mom. That would be an interesting approach. Yeah. But, but it's a different product. It's a different product. What I kind of find interesting about this, and I agree, I think um, when this train left the station, Jesse brought quite a few bags with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um but the tone of this commercial for how sort of like for how for how worked up um you know uh the men of America have gotten about it the tone is like pretty light actually and 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 I think almost almost un- inappropriately light for what's actually happening if you if you just look at the actions that are happening when she is she's throwing this guy's stuff out the window breaking a lot of expensive things and the even the guy just looks sort of like, oh, you know, he does. He's not <laughs> rageful. He's not screaming. He's not like begging for another chance. He's just. It's just sort of like played. It's played like a like a like a cartoon. And her her emotional uh, temperature is is equally not that. It, her, it's more like she's fed up. She's. If I were gonna throw somebody's stuff out the window, I mean. Like they would have to have done something so terrible uh, for me to be that angry, but she's doing it as if like you left the you know your dirty socks on the floor for the last time. Like that's the tone that I get from this. And it's just like exasperation and ruefulness on his, on her part and ruefulness on his part. So it's a weirdly I think it's I think it's a I think they you're using this like throw stuff out the window because it's a trope and it signals mm-hmm. and I actually think they kind of picked the wrong one or they sort of picked a, a a too extreme example of how a breakup goes but it's like the easy way to show a breakup and like a clean slate. Yeah, what I think is interesting is we live in an age and you and I I think are very much in line with people who say things that I wouldn't say were appropriate back in the day are not appropriate. Now, you and I would say they were never appropriate, and that's kind of the problem when we're trying to 
eject some of this poison, especially when it comes to power dynamics between men and women, uh, from our culture. And these are the conversations we're having, everything from the Me Too movement to just, I don't know, how, how men and women are portrayed in media. Um, Speaking and, of, I'm very excited to tell you about hegemonic masculinity later in the show. Oh, yeah? Yes. All right. Well, Table you that. Will, okay, you will come back to that because yeah. I have a lot of questions because I don't really know what that means. Um, but, and I don't know if I practice it, um, but I think it's interesting that the, the idea of throwing stuff out a window for a breakup, and usually it is, and I'm, I'm going back in time now, like decades, you've, you've seen this trope, you... It's usually, I think, the woman throwing things out the 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 window of the throwing the men's stuff out the window, and that has never been problematic before. And this is the first example. I am all over the place, but this is the first example of a commercial I can see where the changing norms that we see and are discussing in our society now um, is being applied to the men. Or I guess the, the 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 traditional power holders. In other words, um, there we watch old uh, coffee commercials, and they're just ridiculously sexist. I mean, just ridiculously yeah. sexist. We talked about them like from the fifties and sixties. One that was all based about a woman worrying about sending her husband off to work because the secretaries there make better coffee. Yeah, it's like, and he comes back and basically verifies that. Like, yeah. I am going to go screw everybody in the office unless you get your coffee game on. I know it's. It's as if, I mean, nobody looks good in that ad. Right. And so we now know as a society, and that's an extreme example, why that is not good. And you look at this inherent sexism in that. This is the only example I can think where we're getting a big outcry because times have changed. I think if you had aired this 10 years ago and definitely 20 years ago, no men would have gotten upset about this ad. I think it's because men feel like they're under attack now because they're being, I'm not saying they are, but men feel threatened now, uh, especially those who believe in the old ways of things and, you know, just read the YouTube comments. It's the PC police. It's the... Yeah, but they're not the, really... Okay, but what they're concerned about isn't really feeling like they are under attack. It's that um, they are. This is a form of concern trolling. That uh, that there is. I don't think that the that the victimization is real. I think it's just a. It's a. It's a dodge. It's a pose. And you think they are? They're aware of that. You think they're cynically saying that? You don't think that they really feel threatened? No, I and don't. angry. I I think they feel angry. Uh, at the idea of having to share even a little bit of power, but I don't think that men, as a rule, genuinely feel threatened. Hmm. I really disagree with that because uh, I know people. If I went to my, if I went home right now to Ohio, and and talk to people who I know and who wouldn't lie to me about this, if I just eased. It, by the way, I would. Never do that. I am never talking about this commercial with anybody in my family in Ohio. Um, but I think that they would honestly feel like, yeah, why is it like we can't do this? But you know, th but that's this not the same as okay. feeling threatened. What what I'm saying is, well, hold on, can I just finish my thought? Yeah, because I was I thought that you were implying that this I, that there quote unquote control. I'm sorry, quote unquote um, concern trolling is this idea that intellectually they know that they don't really have any ground to stand on and that their argument doesn't really hold up, but they're going to pretend like this is threatening them and that they're angry about it uh, because the world isn't fair enough. And I don't think that's true. I think that men 
are we are there is an accounting for the power dynamics and all kinds of relationships between between men and women right now and it's manifesting itself in some ugly ways in which that men are kind of uh, you know a quote unquote offended over this I don't think that they're genuinely offended by it and I, of course you know you can never say any anything is 100% but I think the bulk of the people who are so outraged by this their outrage is about um it's directed at people who uh at the people like me who would be outraged or put off by a commercial in which a man throws a woman's th- throws a woman out of her home mm-hmm. because I know that in the real world that happens and it's no joke and it's not a, it's you cannot ever play and it could never be played for laughs. So this idea of like, well, fair's fair um, is a pose, I think, because what I'm saying is there is not a huge population of men out there who are like, I'm just really, you know, it's very it's very frightening to think of a man being thrown out of his home like this. Like, I'm very, you know. We, it's really sending a bad message that women can abuse men in this way. They're not, that's not what they're concerned no, about. No, no, no. Their, con- their concern or whatever feeling they have, they have is about telling liberals, people like me, that we can't, I can't feel concern. I can't, I can't have it both ways. That if I'm going to allow this commercial to pass by un, unremarked upon, or if this is going to be something that is in the popular media, then I then I have to stop being worried about violence or the depictions of violence against women that I can't have it both ways. That's what they're that's what they want. But that's not the same thing as feeling threatened. Um, I think, you know, we're just arguing about semantics. We totally agree with each other. I think that maybe you're misunderstanding what I mean by threatened. I don't mean that they actually nobody in the Facebook comments are saying this is a really serious thing. A lot of men face domestic abuse and this is reinforcing it. That's not what any of these YouTube people are saying. If the shoe, quote unquote, shoe were on the other foot and we were seeing a, a man throwing a woman's stuff out, yes, a bunch of people like you and me would be very concerned about that because of the message that they reinforce. I mean that these men who are often, well, they're almost always certainly having a knee-jerk reaction, and I would say those who are motivated to then get on social media and rail about it, they're also not very smart. They are threatened by the changing society. They are threatened by the fact that they feel they feel like they can't say certain things anymore. I'm not saying they're right to feel threatened. I don't, I don't mean that they feel threatened that someday they're wife is going to kick them out of the house and it's going to be okay they feel threatened because they can't make sexist jokes and they can't make racist jokes because they don't think that they're sexist and racist and those those lines are changing and that's what they feel yeah i guess i think we're just feeling i think we're just finding threatened as different like i think what's what what you are saying is a feeling of being threatened is to me just a an over it's an it's a sense of entitlement that they are that that this is how they choose to express it in a way that is um sort of a fake sense of like I don't think the I don't think they're truly outraged by this um they are just uh looking for ways to express their sense of aggrieved entitlement I do think that they are angry about it again I don't know why we just got to keep going back and forth because again we agree but I do think they're angry and I just don't I would say that they were faking it if they were writing things like 
I just think this really sends a really bad message and I'm concerned about the men out there and what this is going to mean for domestic violence against men. That would obviously be a cynical bullshit thing argument. But I do think that there is there is uh, the type of guy who watches this commercial and is like, son of a bitch. Like, I can't even watch Charlie Rose anymore because a bunch of feminazis kicked him out for just being a dude and dudes can't be dudes anymore and women are going around and it's okay for a woman to do this. I mean, I don't think that they're like sitting there calmly thinking, I'm going to pretend like I'm angry about this. Like, I think that they are being triggered but in their way and they're, they're actually angry. But their anger isn't in any way about this actual scenario. It's only about this uh, sense of aggrieved, this, uh, this aggrievement, aggrievement that they aren't, that it can't be, that the shoe can't be put on their foot. Yeah. But they don't really find this scenario to be offensive, really. Right. They find, no, no, I totally What they agree. find offensive is that it's within a context in which the coffee this commercial is still fine but the sexist coffee yeah. commercial is no longer fine exactly yeah yeah no again we're, we're we're totally agreeing on this anyway um i think that um so anyway i i just think that was i wanted to talk about this commercial i don't know if we necessarily have a verdict yet but it it just is i think a very interesting time to talk about this commercial um and i have i, I think i have one question for you to end it um but before i get to that i did also just want to take I guess kind of issue with one thing that Jesse writes, and I think that it's also symbolic of maybe an issue of where Jesse is coming from on this. No offense, Jesse. Peace and love, as we say. Um, and that is this idea that, like, she can't, she doesn't call her mom or her friend or her therapist. Again, I think you're bringing a lot to this. You, I mean, you can't. That's why I think the tone whole, is important. Yeah, and it's not like a whole movie about all the different ways this woman has is dealing with a breakup. It's a quick symbolic thing. They use this symbol. I don't think I would have. But uh, but then here's the one thing from Jesse's email that is like really, or from his post that I, I find really funny. It's like, she doesn't go eat a bunch of ice cream or go get drunk. And I'm like, why is getting drunk better than watching TV if you're sad? I mean, I understand <laughs> that like as a trope, it's like more traditional. And I almost understand like, I, I do understand Jesse kind of saying, you know, like this is a moment where you could have connection, but mm -hmm. instead you're running to the television. And, you know, there were some women who were posting on this on Jesse's thread too, saying like, yeah, I find this problematic. I don't think it's just a guy thing, but there's a certain point where you got to say, well, is, are some of these things just like traditional for the sake of being traditional? Because like going out and getting drunk, like if this was a commercial for Jack Daniels, like, Somebody just got into a violent breakup and now go to the bar and get hammered. Jack Daniels. That would be so much more problematic. Yeah, that'd be rough. It'd be interesting to see a, a liquor company um, address the anesthetizing services that they provide, which Yet, they never do. They don't because, and, and I don't want to put words in Jesse's mouth, but... We are just more comfortable with this idea of when you get upset, you go to the bar and you talk to your friendly bartender. And it's like all of the like kind of problematic things with, that go along with problem drinking are not necessarily put into that trope of like there's this idea of going to the bar. There's a sense of connectedness and community, which I understand. But honestly, if somebody I loved was going through something like this and I found out they were going to the bar every night or they were just more engaged on Twitter every night and maybe even throwing bombs on Twitter, I'd be like, well, Twitter's probably a healthier thing for you to used to get through this than, than whiskey. But um, all of this, Genevieve, I guess this is where you as the judge come in. Would What's your bottom line on this commercial? Do you think that DirecTV made a mistake by using this trope? No, I don't. It's fine. It's, it's, a, 
it's a non-issue for me. Is it a great commercial? No. Um, the campaign is, I think, middling at best. So it's not like I'm a, some passionate defender of this ad or the campaign. But um, context matters. It's not offensive. If you are pretending to be offended by it, then pick up a history book, you jackass. <laughs> I think so, so. I'm sorry. I didn't even give you your gavel. I think we sort of have a split decision because if I were in the room, especially with hindsight, of course, but if I were in the room, I'd say, no, this isn't a good commercial. Like, whatever you think about power dynamics between men and women, um, it's just a really ugly scene. And but that's like, what I mean I, about the, the tone. That I, it, I agree it's kind of an ugly scene, but I think the tone prevents this from being an ugly experience. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know that I, and okay, I don't necessarily agree with you on that. Like, it's shot in this handheld way that seems like very intense and the camera goes up. His acting is a little bit comedic uh, in his reaction, but I find it to be, I find it to be pretty intense feeling. And that's not about gender dynamics. That's just about like this handheld kind of intense feel to it. So it gives me kind of a, a bad feeling. And I also think that if I were in the room, right or wrong, I would say, you're going to get a bunch of knuckleheads who are going to like try to turn this into a thing. And like we there's another way to tell the story. Like yeah. you can just you can tell a break. You can even tell a breakup story. It doesn't have to look so kind of violent. Yeah. I mean, another way to shoot this would be he shows up at the door. She comes to the door looking kind of like put out. She hands him a, a box, box of his stuff. Yeah. Um, she goes back into her apartment. She like looks under the couch cushion like, oh, no, there's like one more one gym sock that's left. And she like balls it up and throws it in the garbage or whatever. I mean, that there's a way to do exactly this story with the same level of emotional energy or the same emotional temperature that's not throwing his shit out on the sidewalk, which is in a very extreme thing. I mean, it's cartoonishly extreme. Mm. You, I think you just did something without even realizing it. Do you know what you just did? Yes. Do you? I know what you're going to play. You just went from being a judge. <laughs> to a doctor. Come on, work. Oh, my God. My iTunes almost defeated me. Doctor, doctor, what should I do? Tell me. Doctor, doctor, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? My doll is ill. She has high fever. Right now, Genevieve is throwing all of my radio stuff out the the window. (laughs) Um, Have we spent enough time on this, or should we do another 30 minutes? I actually thought that was a really interesting discussion. (laughs) Do you not feel good about that? I think we spent a lot of time on it. I thought it was interesting. Uh, I grew. Um, This is another uh, commercial court. This one was set in uh, with the express uh, desire to have us weigh in. Yes. Um, And it's from Kevin. It's from Plaintiff Kevin. Uh, they need a ruling. Uh, he says, my partner, and, my partner and I need something adjudicated. The Summer's Eve commercial we keep seeing on Hulu is strange in its messaging. So I'm going to let Kevin describe it here because he does a great job and then we'll play it. Um, you see a man using his wife's body wash that is ostensibly perfect for a woman's V. When he realizes that it's for the V, uh, he jumps into action doing the most stereotypically manly things. And I've noticed this before. I, I saw this commercial before Kevin sent it in. So and he's exactly right here. Uh, he jumps into action doing the most stereotypically manly things, ostensibly to negate the feminizing powers of a body wash. At the very end of the commercial, his wife says, that was close. As in like, oh, you just you just beat the feminizing powers of, of Summer's Eve. You want to play it? Yeah, let's take a, a listen to this. Let's watch it. I had not seen this before. It is 
It's pretty infuriating. Boy, both let's, of our let's things save it. Are, let's save okay. it for closing arguments, counselor. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm in order. All right, here we go. Did you know Summer's Eve cleansing wash is pH balanced and gentler than soap, which makes it perfectly formulated for a woman's V? Huh? Did you know you're using it? Now he's in the shower lathering up and suddenly he freezes up and he looks terrified. Yeah, deer in the headlights. Like he is rubbing estrogen all over his manliness. Now he's chopping wood. He's drinking raw eggs. He's playing the drums in the garage. He's hitting a uh, boxing bag. I can't think of what they're called. This is. Uh, I think it's a <laughs> boxing bag. Well, what are those called? So is that the light bag? A punching bag. A punching yeah, bag. Yeah, a punching yeah. bag. Uh, he is literally karate chopping bricks in his garage. He is pulling his car with his teeth. He is making a uh, metal <laughs> helmet. Like, like a, a gladiator's helmet. helmet. Yeah. He made that on an anvil. Um, and uh, I think things are going to calm down here in a second. And we're going to see him finish off a beer, sit down on the couch next to his wife as he crushes the and beer And she's can. watching him do all this, like calmly drinking mm-hmm. a cup of coffee. And then he's going to plop down next to her on the couch. That was close. And uh, then it says, hell to the V. Um, you want to finish, uh, finish up uh, Kevin's t- uh, statements? Here? Yeah, so he says, this is the point of contention. I believe the wife's line is sarcastic and the commercial has tongue per- firmly planted in cheek. However, my partner thinks the wife is being serious and the commercial is straight up sexist. While certainly a problematic commercial to begin with, I don't think they would go through all that manly stereotyping to sell shampoo to women without there ever being another, without there being another level. We can't agree on this. Please make a judgment. Um, I think that there's no question that the commercial is in on the joke um, and that it's that, that they're trying to sell you a narrative, which is this is a something that women would like to but that would be good for women to buy. It's, it's actually formulated for women's chemistry, which is um, I think has been a very successful marketing uh, strategy for uh, pH. What's the is it? Uh, Secret pH balance for a woman yeah. strong enough for a man pH balance for a woman. Um, I think the idea of like, oh, this is unique to my chemistry, or is the, like, is is a very powerful message. Um, and I think they're trying to even get another little bite at the apple there by saying like, but yet this man before he knew that it was for a woman was enjoying it like it's that good of a product. And then the levels of the things he's doing are they start out sort of like stereotypically masculine and then they go to just they turn it to 11 i mean making a gladiator's helmet like it's clearly meant to be poking fun at the idea of hyper masculinity and i'm i think there's no question that it's that it's meant to be funny and meant to be at the expense of um people who would cling to the idea that you can't use a woman's uh soap or something or a woman's product for for the for the shower yeah, I totally agree. I don't know why I said before, um, as we went into it, that that it's that it's problematic because it's not. You're absolutely right. It's making the joke is on the dude. I never thought that I watched this before the the show, and um, even though the woman doesn't literally roll her her eyes at the end, like she's rolling her she's eyes rolling at her the eyes. end. Yeah, absolutely. So, so to that specific point of of Kevin's. Um, issue here definitely kevin is in the right uh his partner is in the wrong now is there he kevin does say he thinks it's problematic and i wonder if 
on some level it is because it's still normalizing this idea that you would have like i mean if it the only way like if it were a, it's not gay panic but it's mm-hmm. kind of like that it's like this um feminizing panic or mm-hmm. panic about being sure. feminized and it's played for laughs but it it's played for it it works as a joke because it's it's funny because it's true, right? Like, you know, the idea that men would be... Yeah, maybe. Un- like, that this is an exaggerated example of what is a real thing, which is, oh, cooties. Yeah, I guess so. It's funny because, uh, you know, re-watching it now the second time and understanding the humor, not understanding, but kind of getting the humor and the rhythm of it a little bit more, I think back and I'm like, well, no, the joke is totally on him. He's being an ass. And it's not... Uh, it's not something that is being targeted towards men. If this is a BW3's commercial, I'd be like, yeah, he's kind of being an ass, but it's also kind of like, guys will be guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I think a lot of those uh, commercials we see in, in sports, when we're watching sport, as Romney would say, um, are problematic because it's kind of making fun of the guy, but it's also kind of like, yeah, guys, aren't yeah. we just... We you can't trust us uh, with anything. We, you can't trust us with anything. Good yeah. thing the women are here to keep us in line because I'm just a big bonehead. Now let's go get drunk. Burp. Yeah, and I think you you're know? right. The difference is that this is a product that is being sold to women. It's an interesting way of selling a product to a woman, though, by focusing on this man's experience. That's why yeah. I think it's an interesting kind of conundrum. Yeah, I think I've gone back and forth like three times just in I, um, part the of past why I like minutes. it is that the jokes work for me. I yeah. mean the 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 gladiator helmet the towing the car with a yeah. t- with a his teeth um there's another one it that's does a like, good job of ramping it up too yeah it escalates each one until it's like just absurd i'm going i i'm going uh net positive for yeah me not on guilty this. uh not guilty indeed last time we'll hear this now uh we don't have any commercials in the news so how about we uh move on to why would we i have say it that? written in why would you say that well i'll tell you everybody it is written in the show sheet but we didn't find any commercials in the news. It's actually slightly more... Actually, it's slightly more complicated than that. <laughs> Do you want to know really why I said that? Because for the about the past four minutes, I've been sitting here thinking, I'm going to play the commercials in the news sounder and then say we have no commercials in the news and then just move on. And I thought it was going to be funny. But then at the last minute, I thought, Genevieve's not going to like that. So I'm not. I did the thing where I said it and then I didn't play it. But... This is not actually happening in the show, but for those of you who are curious as to what that would have sounded like, uh, um, I would say that not guilty indeed. Now for some commercials in the news. Commercials in the news. We don't have any commercials in the news. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying Only the echoes of my mind That would have sounded like Alright, now let's check in uh, with the Ad Council As we do Where should we start? Well, you've got one here Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was interesting. This was posted again to our Facebook page. This was from listener who I think goes by DDH on Facebook. Um, And this person was saying, I was recently thinking about an episode of Two Dope Queens where Eric Andre describes his experience with watching TV in India. And he notes that while American Mountain Dew ads tend to be these crazy party hard kind of ads, India's Mountain Dew advertising makes it look like you could join the Navy SEALs 
if you drink enough of it. Now, did you uh, watch the commercials here, Viv? <laughs> no, I didn't. All right. Well, let me start. I uh, grabbed the tape. This is from Two Dope Queens, a fantastic podcast. I think everybody knows that. And this is comedic er- uh, comedian Eric Andre uh, doing his bit. Mountain Dew commercials in India are the most self-important commercials. Like Mountain Dew commercials in America are like, grab a babe, a beer, and a dude, dude, cowabunga. Fucking... <laughs> Legalized bath salt, bro. Four twenty. Grab a dew, bro. They're like written by Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles. The fucking. <laughs> but the. <laughs> but the. Uh... By the way, Vives, the, you notice I'm laughing out loud at this. The only way we can legally steal other people's uh, podcast content and then play it on our show is if we if we make it our own. Oh, it's like I see. so. Me laughing. On I top thought of our, I like thought all reason. the exciting commentary we were going to provide was going to uh, let us off the legal hook here. It was going to give us um, uh, fair use for fair these use. purposes. Mountain Dew commercials in India are super. It's like, hey, roll up your sleeves and get to work. We got Mountain Dew to drink. <laughs> like a Chris Christie ad campaign or something. It's like, hey, the bridges are falling apart. There's chaos in the tunnels. Grab some Mountain Dew. We got a crisis on our hands. I love hearing that woman at the end say, oh my God. Uh, that might be one of the hosts, but I don't think that I think that's just like somebody in the crowd. Um, I think Eric Andre, I've gone and I, I, um, I've looked at a couple of these commercials. One was sent in to us by DDH or posted to the Facebook group. Uh, and I found another one. I'm going to play them both for you. There is a sense of kind of seriousness about them and a definitely a sense of, uh, a different sort of epic nature. Mm-hmm. Not an epic nature like... Um, will this weird half baby half unicorn half dog thing that's a lot of halves bro um you know that's also intense in its own way right but these have more of a, a grand kind of epic feel to it actually as a matter of fact um ddh says out of curiosity i had to look them up and i have to agree with andre they all have this super serious quality that you'd expect from a, a razor or a truck commercial mm-hmm. and not and there's not a single puppy monkey baby to be found puppy monkey baby um so here i'd love to see what you think of these v's you haven't watched them yet right right in this one it's almost like an ed commercial you have a guy well i guess he can get his sails up but he's a guy in the middle of the ocean alone on a smallish sailboat and it is a massive massive roiling storm He's like been washed sort of into the corner of the boat. He's exhausted. He picks up a Mountain Dew, downs it. A huge monster wave is coming at him, but he like takes his boat up the hill, up the mountain of the wave and crests it and and is able to sail into smooth waters. So it's very like adventure. At the very end, they also give the tagline in English as well. Saluting the risk takers of India, Mountain Dew. Isn't that kind of interesting that the whole thing... I mean, I'm I'm no expert, but uh, English is, I think, one of the national languages of India. 
and of course Mountain Dew doesn't translate to anything but Mountain Dew well, right. um, and so because it's a brand um, and but salute the risk takers or whatever. salute the risk takers was in English there so here I have that one and I have another one that I don't know if it's necessarily worth playing maybe I can play it in the background here this is a minute long one and it's a couple of guys and we see them working on uh, a vehicle of some sort and then we see a poster in their garage for like some upcoming race and they all look very very serious about this like kind of dune buggy-esque race that's going to happen out in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. and um i'm going to play a little bit of it here and then they start fixing up their jeep which is like totally trashed eventually we're going to get to the actual race day and then all the vehicles take off and they're all these new vehicles and their scrappy little jeep won't even get off the start line so now they're trailing behind pretty badly and all of a sudden they realize all the other competitors are driving back the opposite direction because there's a huge dust storm you might even say it's like a giant wave in the ocean (laughs) only (laughs) this is a giant desert uh, sandstorm and they guzzle their mountain dews and they just like the boat going through the giant wave they go right through the dust storm and then it's very nice on the other side and they're the only ones to cross the finish line so here's the deal these do have this epic quality i love what ddh says about us feeling like a campaign like a roll up your sleeves you know after hurricane sandy kind of uh campaign ad but they still are a bunch of dummies just doing dumb things like riding sailboats not that you know, yeah whatever. but it is tonally very different by the way what are those dust storms i think it's called a haboob oh really yes um i just like that word i like to say it huh. um so but tonally it's so different it's much more serious there's no surreality to it at all mm-hmm. um it's yeah it's told much more like a truck commercial or um uh maybe like a fancy alcohol some sort some kinds of alcohol i could see doing a an adventure uh thing like that like find your mountain or whatever yeah yeah um so it yeah it's super different i wonder why that is i mean it doesn't surprise me that much that the sort of tim and eric style advertising that we see so much of now um like i there's one that i really like right now i think it's for geico where there's a a husband and wife um freaking like they're just like take they're chopping wood with their bare hands because they're like so mad about how expensive insurance is and then when they get the good word that you can save 15% with Geico, they go crashing through the walls of their house in their urgency to get to the phone. Uh, and it's done, it's played for laughs, obviously. Um, but there is, there's so much surreal uh, tone in American advertising, but it doesn't surprise me that in another country, that would not land. That would not land at all. The, the, well, it, it depends on the country, right? Because then you look I mean, at Japan, Japan sure. and you're like, they are so far ahead of us yes. when it comes. Yeah, to Yeah, I that mean, the stuff. things that work in Japan don't work here yet, right? Right. right. Like, but I think we're I think we're different places on the spectrum. It doesn't surprise me that um, Indian culture would stick to something a little bit more conventional, mm-hmm. like in terms of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I thought that was really interesting. I don't yeah, think I, I would have. Thank you for I, bringing that to our attention. If somebody else hadn't been listening to Eric Andre on Two Dope Queens, I would have never seen those commercials. So yeah. I love that shit. Thank you so much for sending that in. And uh, it looks like we have another one here from listener Mike. Um, yes. So this is one that, and I have seen this ad. This is from listener Mike. Have you seen the new Facebook TV spot? It's pretty good, in my opinion. Almost made me forget about how Facebook is a multi-billion dollar corporation complicit in the demise of our democracy. Mm -hmm. 
Honestly, I haven't been on Facebook since 2010, and this ad made me nostalgic for the platform. Really? Now, so I'm I'll be, excited to see this. I am really interested for you to see this too. I've seen it once or twice. Um, you're gonna. It's pretty well narrated, so there's not a ton that we need to explain. But just imagine as you're hearing this, it's a lot of like photos and things that are on Facebook. It's just mm-hmm. like a lot of Facebook content, videos, photos, etc. We came here for the friends. And we got to know the friends of our friends. And then our old friends from middle school, our mom, our ex, and our boss joined forces to wish us happy birthday. And we discovered our uncle used to play in a band and realized he was young once too. And we found others just like us. And just like that, we felt a little less alone. But then something happened. We had to deal with spam, clickbait, fake news, and data misuse. That's going to change. From now on, Facebook will do more to keep you safe and protect your privacy. So we can all get back to what made Facebook good in the first place. Friends. Because when this place does what it was built for, then we all get a little closer. Holy shit snacks. There's so, yeah. so much to talk about. Yeah, there. like I don't, I'm, I'm interested in your candid reaction here. I'm glad you hadn't seen it. So what is Facebook? It's like a friendstery kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like friendstery. I knew I could get one laugh out of you today. Um, I had no idea that it was going to take a turn halfway through, right? Yeah, so, well, clearly they've got some, they've been naughty. Right. And so just as far as the first half, just like stating the case for why Facebook is good, mm-hmm. Um is really good. I agree with uh, listener Michael. Is that right? Listener Mike, who says um, that it makes you nostalgic. Now, I have never really left Facebook, but emotionally I have left Facebook yes. a long time ago. I use it for work all the time, but nine, nine, what was that? What I, 9.9 times out of 10, uh, I am What's using... What's another way to express that ratio? <laughs> 75% of the time. <laughs> I am using Facebook to interact with, you know, folks who listen to TBTL. And I really do like it for that. Yeah. But if we went to my Facebook wall right now, yeah. all it would be would be other people who tagged me and shit there. I can't remember the last time I put... Every now and then I'll be like, hey, has anybody seen this thing? But if I'm feeling at all creative or like I have anything that I want to share, I do it on Instagram or Twitter. Right. Both have their own problems as well. For whatever reason, Facebook... And some of these are personal about kind of who I'm just friends with a lot of people on there. So it feels just really massive and overwhelming to me and not personal at all. Um, And so I just have generally bad feelings about Facebook. And that is putting headlines aside. Yeah. Um, And watching this made me... As Mike says, nostalgic for the good old days a little bit. I think they fucking nailed that. That's interesting. I think that they did it as good as they could do it. Uh huh. But to me, it feels um, like somebody's back was to the wall, and mm-hmm. it fe- so so already it's coming from a place. Maybe maybe it would be a good time for me to sort of you you kind of gave your Facebook credentials. Maybe I should give mine. I use I got off Twitter because it was too toxic. Um, for me to just, I couldn't stomach it. It made me feel sick when I would read it. So I stopped using Twitter. Um, and I use Facebook. I agree. It's like the suburbs of the internet, but that's fine. Like it's a comfortable place to be. It's very safe. Um, I don't have anyone in my Facebook orbit that like, I mean, 
you know, real talk. I unfriended my dad because I was like, I just don't want anything anywhere near me on Facebook. That's not going to make you give you a bad that's feeling. Give me a bad yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be entertainment, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, what's the point if I'm just going to like get uh, heartburn over this? So, uh, so I use Facebook probably a lot more than you do. I use it for occasionally I'll you know post an article that I like or a picture of an event that I you know a picture of myself or a friend it's I'm not a daily user but like I'm a daily checker Mm -hmm. Um, I use it to find articles and content that other people share and I use it for our podcast which I really like and I also use it for work Um, so for me I do spend probably a, a good healthy chunk of my internet time using Facebook um, and I keep it on my phone and I still use it. Having said all that, I'm like you. Like, I generally have a bad feeling about it. Um, I know intellectually that it is not, it's not, like, there's just a lot of bad possibilities and potential in, ha- in having that much data. Um, and that there's no way that their desire to be good actors will ever um counteract the profit motive and and the value that our data and our privacy will have to them so when i hear that ad it feels like someone's back was to the wall i think the tone of it is like what's your like it's like um it sounds like cereal or one of the or like one of the you know like a really super popular podcast like the the tone of the voiceover like they're aiming for something with that this just the tone of the speaker's voice can I ask you a quick question? Because yeah. it's relevant to comparing my answer and feeling about this ad to yours is I haven't talked about how I felt the second part. Like, you know me. I really like to take my time with things. Um, so far, my reaction has only been for the first 30 seconds of the ad before I knew that this was even post, um, you know, uh, Cambridge Analytica mm-hmm. you know like I thought this could have been from a year ago and generally speaking it's a commercial to remind people to use Facebook and these are the good things about Facebook so the idea of somebody's back to the wall did you feel that before you even knew where it was going well it's just hard for me to separate it out like the the whole thing you already had that on your mind when you hit yeah play. I mean I had seen it I've seen it on I don't know if it was TV, literally, but I've oh, seen it. I had seen it in the I wild. Oh, okay. And then when I looked at it again, I already knew where it was going. Okay, interesting. Okay, because I came in this kind of pure. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it, I'll let you finish your, your thoughts on it. But I was just going to say, just to kind of, de- I guess, defend to whatever degree or further explain how I felt about the first half of it. It made me think about, you know, world enough that Facebook is like our fourth social media thing if you count the the dead soldiers ahead of it right and friendster being the first one now if friendster were around today would i be active on it uh probably not i'm I, who knows maybe in some degree but like i don't actively miss friendster necessarily but every now and then i will see something and i i, I stumbled on something because friendster is still around but not in the capacity it's like some i think some some countries in Asia use it as a music service or something. It's completely different. Somebody just bought the name. Um, but it was a very, very early social media site for those of you who are too young to know. And it was kind of, you know, kind of like Facebook, but we didn't have anything like that before. And like the big thing that I had forgotten, somebody reminded me or something reminded me of this recently was the big thing about Friendster was you wrote they were like recommendations or you wrote profiles of your friends. So if Genevieve and I were friends from college and then we became friends on, on Friendster, 
the first thing I would do is I would write kind of an open letter to the world about Genevieve that would then be on her page. Let me tell you something about Genevieve. If you're ever at a keg party and she says, I promise you I won't throw up this time, don't believe her. She is the best, but she's definitely a lightweight. Love you, Vives. You know, like, and then right. you would go to somebody's page and there would just be oh, testimonials. That's yeah. what they're called. And, uh, and I, this commercial was pulling on my heartstrings so much that it almost felt like Facebook was gone. It put me in a mind where I was thinking... How will I think about Facebook when it is eventually gone or the early days of Facebook? And because we're just in the midst of all the ugliness, I thought the first half of this commercial did an amazing job of reminding me why it's special and also that we lived in a time before it. Yeah, I guess so. I I think when any, when any company that hasn't had to advertise does an advertisement, um, it sort of makes my spidey sense tingle of like, oh, even, even before I... And again, it's hard to sort of remember how I was felt about it halfway through the first time I mm-hmm. saw it. But um, when I see companies that have not historically had to do advertising, do advertising, something's up. Yeah. Okay. And then when I saw the second half, and I got to say that, that really made me, um, I was, as you could tell, really shocked that that's where they were going, that this is a, a brand restoration thing. It's not, it, I thought it was a brand reinforcement thing, but as a brand restoration thing. Yeah. Um, by the way, everything that I just said about how it made me feel, it made me feel that way in the moment. Like, I don't think that this is going to make me want to use Facebook more. So there's that as well, just to clarify. Um, but if I were Facebook, I, I mean, I guess we can sort of open up Ad Doctor here. I won't play the song. If I were to um, if I were to be, again, in the room while people are pitching this, I'd be like, and you, they need to make an advertisement. The mission is to remind people of why Facebook is great and also kind of beat back some of the bad press. And they said, this is it. This is the storyboard. This is what we'll do. This is the script. I don't think if I'm on team Google in this case, I don't see any reason why this isn't a super effective ad or why I wouldn't run with it. Or I don't have another, a better idea. Yeah. Wait, team Google. I'm sorry if I'm team Facebook rather. Yeah. Team. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, I think it's well done and it, um, it's as good as you're going to get for that. There's just something about the the super reasonable, like friendly voice of the narrator that just felt a little airsatz to me. But I think I'm, you know, like everybody, I bring my own baggage to it. Like, what if it's like basically the same, same exact script, same images, but tomb guesses? <laughs> How about that? Hey, we have some more though, right? You have another email here, don't you? Just one more. Okay. Um, this is from uh, listener Simon. Now, as as uh, listeners from last week will remember, we talked about a, an a, a article by a like a an academic that was a peer reviewed article. Um, called Raise Her Right that was about female fans, the depiction of female fans in commercials. Sporting fans. Yeah, sports fans. and Sporting. Sporting fans. Um, I thought it was in sport. And uh, we sort of made a very half-assed attempt to get a hold of that article, but uh, lack of preparation and lack of um, subscriptions to expensive peer-reviewed journals uh, stymied us and we just sort of like worked around it but listener simon who uh works for a fancy university which i won't name but congratulations simon um why don't you want to name it i don't i don't want to violate his privacy okay didn't put it in the email oh you were just googling him no i looked at his email address oh i see i see 
Um, after he writes, after last week's show, I realized I could use my status as a hotshot university instructor to easily get you a copy of that academic article you were looking for. Um, it's not exactly mind-blowing reading, but I thought you might both enjoy looking over some different versions of your critiques. It's kind of hilarious that the author goes uh, over all the same sources as you, iSpot, TV, YouTube hmm. comments, and basically makes less interesting points uh, uh, in a much less engaging way. What? Now, granted... Um, yeah, nothing we've ever said would qualify for peer review. Yeah. But I did read through this article a little bit and, and working in a, you know, I work for university. I'm not a PhD myself, but um, I uh, have spent many, many, a lot of time around PhDs and around peer reviewed uh, literature. And uh, so there's some great quotes in this. And I just uh-huh. love the Argo of, of academic speak. And I think part of the reason that academics like what they do is that it's very seductive to have your own little language, you know? Oh, like twins. <laughs> sort of. Um, this is one, this is my favorite quote. Operating from the standpoint of Connell's concept of hegemonic masculinity as the privileged ideal within a gender regime, I suggest that the women, rep- women represented as sports fans and advertising become legitimized in their proximity to this ideal. <laughs> That's a, see, she sounds like me. <laughs> but I love that idea of hegemonic masculinity, which is essentially a fancy way of saying patriarchy. It's, oh, okay. It's the idea that um, uh, the dominance of men and the the heteronormative idea of masculinity, the guy who's freaking out because he used Summer's Eve... Um, yeah, perfect okay, example yeah. um, that that is the only template from which that is uh, judged to be an, uh, a, a good a good de- or like the appropriate uh, way for a man to behave and it justifies um, both uh, misogyny and dominance over women and also the marginalization of any kind of masculinity that is not stereotypical masculinity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she also notes um, that to completely ignore female fans would come at the cost of the consumerist imperative, which we also touched on, although we did not use, the, we did not say the consumerist imperative. I think I said dollar dollar bills. <laughs> Wait, be more specific. What part is she talking about? Just basically. Just generally the idea that like one of the reasons we're seeing more female fans. Oh, yeah. Things is that there's money to, there's money, there's to, money the to be made. Dollar yeah. dollar bills. Gotcha. Or the consumerist imperative. The reason that you probably saw that I was just going through my email is there was something that I clicked on when I was trying to get access to that article, whereas like, you know, even though I don't pay whatever very high subscription fees to get access to that, there's a button you can click on where you can request permission Mm -hmm. to read that. And I used my other email address would I never check. So I was like, oh, God, I did that a week ago. I requested permission because I would just think if I'm a professor who wrote this paper and, you know, who knows what else is going on. But if you just happen to get an email like, oh, somebody, because I had to fill out a little thing. What's your purpose? Podcast, yeah. we talk about commercials. You would think that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll give you this article. Well, you know, I used to work in academic publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, it's an, it's a very interesting uh, sort of, in, I won't get into it here because God knows it's interesting in the sort of lo- loose sense, I guess, of the word. Um but like the idea of who can access um, like social science journal, like social science peer reviewed papers is a really uh, dicey one and a very controversial one because, for example, a lot of research is funded by federal funding, right? So like the NIH or the NSF or whoever, or, like the, you know, Foundation for the Arts or whatever, like will will 
right you know you get grants now that's typically more true of like the hard sciences but it's also true of the social sciences Mm -hmm. so if you get a federal grant to right do your research that's taxpayer dollars like why shouldn't you andrew u.s taxpayer have access to that research do you think it would even show up in her email or do you think that my my request probably it would go didn't to the even... pub- she doesn't oh, know that. that's, that's why that's, see I taylor was just and like... francis published this they were a competitor oh. with the company i used to work for um, i'm just naive i just thought like hey, yeah, you're no, sitting at home some whole... dingus and in, in no no it's Seattle not just like a, and, it, but, but a lot of people that you're not a you're not wrong like that's the argument is like well anyone can publish now because you know internet yeah but also when a company like Taylor and Francis or like my former employer uh, says like, I mean, they, they basically create the, uh, the infrastructure for there to be professors who do a peer review of it for it to get edited, for it to be published and distributed. Like who pays for that? Right. Even though the research was paid for by the, maybe potentially by the U S government who pays for the publishing and so it's just this really big debate and there's this, this whole thing this open access movement to like make it more free to everybody and it's a whole thing right and i'm Which just having like a serious violent flashback right now <laughs> well I'll, i guess i'll move on. i was gonna ask you it's all, just like i think that we should pay for music however it is whether it's we're paying for it through subscription services whatever the best way that i especially now that i have disposable income if i can support a musician i want them to continue making art i want to do it but i also think the ways are changing and so it doesn't necessarily have to be going to sam goody and putting down 14.99 and also artists were still getting screwed back then anyway it was actually the record company so uh I believe that we need to continue to fund education and anything that furthers education, like peer-reviewed articles and peer-reviewed research and uh, and, and that pursuit of, of knowledge. But is it almost like they're using a, a, a are they're almost using false scarcity at this point in an age where everything is where everything is kind of freely available and there's such an easier way to do everything, but they're they're almost like. Well, they're, well, well, I guess, it's, no, it's more like a paywall. It's a paywall. And, I was going to yeah, say, it's, it's, it's exactly the reason we yeah, pay yeah. for the New York Times, because somebody it costs somebody money to make that product. Yeah, no, I was just, I don't know. But, are, but is it on the back of the professor who did it because she presumably right. was trying to get tenure or whatever? For whatever reason she did it, she doesn't probably care. In fact, she'd probably be delighted for us to read sure, it. Sure, yeah. Um, but her publisher would not yeah like she'd love like if, if something like that if you write something like this that especially has some sort of a pop culture element ideally you're going to publish it and then you're you know somebody's going to mention you in an article in a newspaper and then somebody like and i just think from my perspective of being a, a public radio producer then i read it and then i'm like hey you know let's book this professor yeah. and have her on our afternoon talk show yeah and publishers like that but what they don't want to do they want to give away a cup of milk. They don't want to give away the cow. Sure, right. Um, once again... And also, nobody's to, reading the full academic articles. Anyway, you're just using the local write-up in the yes. newspaper anyway. To, to quote, to quote uh, Professor... Uh, what is her name? Gieseler. Um, it's all about that consumerist imperative, baby. <laughs> I love that rap song. I have a, a voicemail here from listener Lauren. Let's take a listen to this. Hey, Andrew and Genevieve. It's listener Lauren out of Jacksonville. Um, I have actually two things this week. One is um, I'm so glad that you played that um, that military, I guess it's the Marines chest set um, commercial from back in the 90s. Do we have to explain that? I mean, we talked about it briefly. I think Lauren did a good job of explaining it, right? It was very weird and uh, like a 
huge surreal chess match between a knight and a evil queen. It's just like yeah, it's like a, it's like a life <laughs> size, it's like a life size chessboard that's come come to life, and but you don't nobody is dressed as a marine, and it's just like a bunch of kind of scary like Alice queens and kings yeah. fighting with scary knights, and then at the very end, it's like the marines, and you see a guy dressed up like well, I guess he's a marine, he's not a guy dressed up like a marine. It's like no, what? I think he's probably is or a maybe guy just a dressed guy dressed up, up like, like a, marine. a marine. I don't know. It seemed very bonkers, and. I grew up with that. I saw that so much during the 90s, and then I totally forgot about it until we played it uh, last week. The reason I'm happy is my mother was obsessed with that commercial. Her dad had been a Marine. She teaches King Arthur and medieval um, English lit uh, to her students and has always been really into knights, and she loves chess. So it was this confluence of everything my mom loved. And she loves it so much. She had a student whose father worked for the like local TV station or something. Anyway, she got the student to get her on VHS like a tape of that commercial. <laughs> so um, how bonkers is that? Yeah, I said on the last show. Somebody, if that if that convinced you to join the Marines, let me know. It sounds like it was a it was a close shave with Lawrence. Yeah, Mom. I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, get back at me when I mean. The it sounds like imagery of that really spoke to Lauren's mom, but yes. I still don't think Lauren's mom went out and joined the Marines, so well, I still don't know if it was an effective advertisement. But still, I mean, it, it that it moved her that much. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Amazing to me. I never it never occurred to me that it was problematic. Anyway, the next thing I wanted to do is leave you a jingle. What does that mean? It's jingle time. Yeah. And this one is actually um, one of our favorite beverages growing up was um, that cranberry ginger ale, um, Canada Dry's cranberry ginger ale. It came out in, I don't know, 95, maybe 93, and um, there was a commercial for it, and the jingle um, stuck in our heads, and we referred to it not by the name cranberry ginger ale, but by the lyrics of the jingle. So I'm going to pause it here really quickly. I had to edit this uh, voicemail down a tiny bit. So I just am realizing now that it, I might have cut out the part where Lauren said this. When she's saying we here, she's talking about herself and... Her best friend and neighbor. Yeah. Um, and here goes the jingle. It's not too sweet. Cranberry can't be beat. Canada dry cranberry ginger ale is not too sweet. Anyway, we called it not too sweet. Want some not too sweet? And one time when our families were having a Christmas party and all the adults were over at her house, the two of us snuck back to my house, and we were probably 14, 13, pretty young, um, to, uh, to break into the little liquor cabinet. And my parents never had liquor, per se, but they had these ancient bottles of who knows what. <laughs> so we pulled out one of these bottles and mixed it with our not-too-sweet well, it turns out it was dry vermouth. So we mixed not too sweet and dry vermouth, and that was the first uh, mixed drink I ever had. It wasn't too bad, not going to lie. Okay, uh, later, skaters. <laughs> that does not sound great no, to me. No, it does not sound that tasty. <laughs> I love just calling the soda not too sweet Not too now. sweet. I want, I want to do that. So this idea, she said something about it came out in the 90s. 
I the not too sweet song it actually is much earlier than that. Um, this these are there's a series of ads in the seventies um, for Canada Dry, and I don't know if it was the cranberry one, but it's that same song. And they would what it, what they would do is have uh, various like celebrities of the day uh, sort of sing say those lyrics. Mm-hmm. And there I found three of them. Um, the ones you're going to hear now are a boxer whose name I didn't recognize. No surprise, I don't know very is many that boxers. The Ruth Buzzy? No, no, Ruth. Yeah. Okay. And then Ruth and then Ruth Buzzy, who was a comedian. Um, oh, Ruth Buzzy is a comedian. Yeah, okay. you might recognize her. She was like um, laughing, I think. Oh, okay. And then Howard Cosell. There are other ones with other actors that I didn't and famous people that I didn't recognize, but one that has Jack Palance, Jack Palance. Oh wow! But he's in full samurai, like yellow face drag. Oh, it's a bad problem. It is. Yeah, you want to talk about problematic? And then he's like throwing all of his girlfriend's shit out the window. Yeah, practically. It's just no, so it's, many reasons it is, why that's It's really bad. terrible. Um, and oh, and there's one with Isaac Hayes, like fully decked out at the piano oh yeah like it i like prime isaac hayes so anyway why don't you give this a play so this one is from 1977 it's not too sweet it's refreshing crisp and neat canada dry ginger ale is not too sweet it's not too sweet this is real fuzzy it's not too sweet canada dry cools your thirst it's a taste that can't be beat it's not too sweet. This is it's Howard cool, Cosell. refreshing treat. Canada Dry Ginger Ale. It's not too sweet. Regular or diet, it's more refreshing because it's not too sweet. So it obviously predates the cranberry version that she remembers right. from the 90s, but that song has been around for a long time. Yeah, and for whatever it's worth, just in case Lauren is listening to this, she did mention that in uh, a follow-up voicemail as well, but we just didn't have time to play the whole thing. Um, all right, well, that's all I had on my plate. What about you? That's it for me. All right, let's get out of here. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. Jingle, jingle, jingle us. Call our voicemail line, 607-444-5597. That's 607-444-5597. If there's a jingle you remember from your youth that you were obsessed with, but one thing I'm just going to throw out here, I mean... Any jingle you want. Maybe it's something that's on TV now, and yeah. you're like, damn, they're tight with this jingle game. There right. are definitely some that are that I hear on commercial radio all the time, and uh, I can't think of it because the song is playing right now, <laughs> but I would. I would sing it because there's some that I just... Uh, I actually sing along with him. I'm very. It's just it's, you hear him. I heard so a jingle for Coke uh, recently. I think it's the Share a Coke campaign mm. is back, and it was great. It was like... I. I was happy to listen to the whole commercial. Hey, you know who's never sung a jingle on the show before? Who? You. You're the only I, person I can think of. I sing all the time. What did you sing? I mean, I just sing all the time. I just sing a lot. On the show? Yeah. All I right. sing all the time. Okay. Uh, Facebook group. How do people find us? Uh, after these messages, show on Facebook. Please join. We just had someone join this week. Thank you. We were very happy to uh, to accept you. Um, and you can email us at after these messages show at Gmail. All right, there it is, everybody. Another show in the books. What a shitty thing to say at the end of a show. I really enjoyed that. I know that you <laughs> thought that that top part went too long. And maybe it did for some people, but like that was a true journey for me. So thank you much. I had a great time. I'm not even joking this time. Uh, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Talk to you guys next Tuesday. United States of Google, Verizon. They all spies and I'm Pisces rising. And you ain't Hoover, you suck like James Dyson.